Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Ah, uh, yes, sir. You heard the man. Make sure you are subscribed to the Jacob Media YouTube channel, J-A-K-I-B Media, for every conversation that Johnny Mac and I have nightly on the fix, every night, 7.30, Monday to Friday, on AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio. Follow John on Twitter at J.F. McMullen, phillyvoice.com, Sports Illustrated over at si.com is where you can find all of John's written work. And you can listen to him every Saturday at 10 a.m. hosting Extending the Play, Birds 365 now with Jody Mack, Monday to Friday, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. J-Mac's everywhere. You can't avoid him. He is everywhere. So let's bring him into the conversation now. Have some fun on a rainy Wednesday. Johnny Mack, what's going on, man? Uh, not much. How are you, Ryan? Doing good, man. Doing good. Um, so Joe Flacco, that was the... The news of the day yesterday, you and I broke it all down. Um, I forget where I saw a couple people say this contract is too much, that the Eagles overpaid for Joe Flacco. Is that even possible for, what, one year, three and a half million? Uh, Yeah, I I mean, I don't understand it. (laughs) I guess if you look at the narrative kind of starts with what he played for last year with the Jets, which was essentially one and a half million. So I think people kind of say, well, you know, he started four games. He lost all four of them. So why is he getting such a significant raise? But I think they don't understand. The reason he signed for that little was because he was coming off neck surgery and there were a lot of concerns. There were a lot of medical red flags. There were a lot of, you know, can he play any longer? And I think he proved that. So he proved from the health standpoint that he could play, that he could still hold up. Um, and then this time around, because of that, you had, you know, the old supply and demand. You you had demand for services. And San Francisco was trying to sign him as well to be their backup quarterback, and that sort of raises the price. So you have to pay a little bit more. And and then the part of 0-4 with the Jets, look, you know, Tom Brady would have been 0-4 with Adam Gase. I'm, I'm convinced of that. Um, yes, I think that would be a, a safe bet. So, and, <laughs> you know, I, I brought this point up to you yesterday, and, you know, just to bring it up again, I, I think he's worth that – for what he provides in the locker room and in the quarterback room. Like, he, he could be 
even worse than last year on the field if he has to step in for a game or whatever. Fine. But I think what he's going to provide to this locker room um, is worth that price. Well, and that's the second part of it. I, I mean, you're paying for other stuff as well. You're paying for the mentorship. You're paying for, uh, for lack of a better, you know, if you think about another Super Bowl winner, Nick Foles, you're paying for the fact that, oh, if Jalen Hurts plays poorly for a couple weeks, and he's going to, as any young quarterback does, you're not going to have this groundswell to say, put Nick Foles in. You're paying for that as well. And, oh, by the way, I mean, I I don't understand what people expect from a backup quarterback in this league. Look around the league. You know, last year I talked about Andy Dalton, who's now going to be a starter again in Chicago. This is in the conversation for being the best backup in, in professional football. You know, the fact that Andy Dalton is going to be a starter, and we'll see for how long. But not to get too sidetracked, but do you think teams are just afraid of putting in someone that doesn't have, like, the experience and maybe even the IQ? Like, they don't have the time to want to teach these guys how to watch film or coach them up, or they're afraid of the rebuild, they're afraid of them of getting fired, so they just go with the veteran because, okay, they know this offense, and we think we can be – consistently average to below average with Andy Dalton. And that's safer than going with someone new. Who's not like a top prospect. Well, let's let's use Chicago as an example. They just got off the Mitch Trubisky train. That's what they're doing. I mean, is Andy Dalton better than Mitch Trubisky? Yeah, unquestionably. And that's a former number two overall pick. And it's interesting because there are a lot of people saying, well, Buffalo signed Trubisky to, I think $2.5 million a year on a one-year deal. Why not bring him in? He's 26. He's got a similar skill set. You wouldn't have to change the offense. I'm like, why would you want Mitch Trubisky around Jalen Hurts? I, I mean, if you watch any Chicago game, you see Matt Nagy cutting the field in half, giving him high-low reach because he can't do anything. So, yeah, I mean, if it comes between a player like that or or a player like Andy Dalton, who at least knows how to play, yeah, eventually coaches are going to default to give me the guy who knows how to play. The issue becomes, you know, when you draft these guys, it doesn't stop there. I talk about it all the time, and you'll see it this year with the draft. People act like it stops the moment those guys are drafted. He's a star. Talk about it with Justin Jefferson and Jalen Rager. One's a star, one's not. The assumption it would happen in any city. No, there's development that comes along with it, or lack of development. In the case of the Eagles with with Jalen Rager um, and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, and on and on and on. So it's kind of yes and kind of no, depending on the player. You know, somebody like Trubisky, you fail. You're just looking to get better. I mean, the Bears wanted to trade for Russell Wilson, but they couldn't. So, is Andy Dalton better? Yeah, he's better. Not much, though. Um, and, and, yeah, that, that's the example of an organization just uh, doing it 
wrong, ladies and gentlemen, doing it wrong. All right, so there's a lot happening here in the NFL, as we know, John, and a lot happened today. Um, you can pick where you where you want to go here, but we have Vinny Curry to the Jets. We have the USC Pro Day. We have free agents um, on visits. Jadavion Clowney, one of the top names, I guess, among some others. He visited with Cleveland today. Um, Richie Incognito, welcome back to the Las Vegas Raiders. So th- there, there's a lot happening. Uh, you can kind of pick where we should start. Well, I guess we should start with Vinny uh, because he was here. And, I, you know, he played very well last season um, as a rotational player. But that's, you know, and he didn't get much from the Jets. He got a one-year minimum deal. So you start asking yourself, well, why couldn't the Eagles bring bring him back and sort of continue with that four-man rotation at defensive end, which was successful. You know, not a lot was successful when you talk about last season, but one thing that was was Brandon Graham, um, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat, Benny Curry as those four guys. But, you know, at some point you got to move on from these older players, and Benny's going to be 33, and I think that's how the Eagles look at it. And you know, a lot of the rest of the league looks at it the same way because from a production standpoint, Benny Curry should be getting more money than he's getting. But nobody wants 33-year-old guys rushing the passer. And at, at some point, you have to question yourself as to why. Um, but that's just give and take, you know. Everybody wants to get younger and – I get it, but I also don't get it when it comes to proven players. And, look, Vinny probably can't play 70% of the snaps, but he was good last season. He he was really good um, in limited rotation. But that's what you want out of your fourth defensive end. So it, it's one of those tough questions, but the Eagles are, are forging ahead and, and, and they want to get younger. But. I'm pretty confident in saying the fourth defensive end next year, whoever it's going to be, it's probably going to be a draft choice. It's not going to be as good, at least early. Talking with John McMullen, our NFL Eagles insider. We do this every night at 730 right here on The Fix on AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio. All right, so I brought up Adoree Jackson to start the conversation, and we've talked about him uh, already throughout the week this week and towards the end of last week. He's going to the Giants. That's official. Uh, and I know you have a new article up and available now on SI.com talking about uh, South Carolina's J.C. Horn. And we've talked about what's next, specifically at the secondary um, position on defense for the Eagles. So talk about your new article, J.C. Horn, and other options in the secondary. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think J.C. is an interesting um, case study because uh, he's he really killed it at his pro day today. So he's only shooting up uh, the draft boards when you talk about uh, people mock drafting, speculating where he's going to be. Um, was a first-round pick, probably later first round. Then it was top half of the first round. Now people are talking top ten. And Caleb Farley had back surgery, so he's kind of falling back a little bit. Now it's it's Patrick Sertain or J.C. Horn, which is interesting because they're both second-generation um, 
players in the case of Patrick Sertain, his father, uh, Patrick Sertain the first, and uh, J.C.'s uh, dad was Joe Horn, four-time Pro Bowl receiver. You also have Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, at corner. So, um, anyway, a lot of second-generation talent. But I, I will say that uh, it, it's number six kind of no man's land for Sertine and Horn because it might be a little bit too soon to take them. Uh, but the Eagles really need that position. They really need to lock it down. So you start asking yourself, well, it's Jeffrey Lurie, and we've talked about quarterback a lot. Is this an indication that Joe Flacco signing, you guarantee them $3.5 million. That means he's going to be on the roster. So in theory, that would mean you're not taking a quarterback. And if you have those teams behind you, like Carolina and Denver, that get quarterback desperate uh, and they have to move up a little bit, what's to say you don't trade down a few spots and then it becomes a little bit more palatable to take a player like Horn? It's, it's, it's got to be on the table. Is there a team that – uh, the Eagles could make a trade with for the first round uh, in this upcoming draft. Like you talk about that number six spot and how it's a little awkward, for lack of a better way to describe it, for what the Eagles could potentially be looking to do and accomplish. So, is there a team or multiple teams the Eagles could maybe work something out with where they figure out a way to get two first round draft picks in this draft coming up, whether that's middle to late or a first and another second? Like, talk about maybe some options and realistic teams that could pull something off with that with Philly. Yeah, I, I don't think you can go down too far. Uh, because, you know, the Eagles need, and I've said it from the start, they need a difference maker. And if you start to get cute, uh, and I've talked to a number of personnel people, and they've put it at about 11 uh, as where there there's a, a drop-off from sort of Tier 1 to Tier 2. So if you start dropping back to, you know, mid-first round where maybe you could you could – get some more significant value, um, say a second-round pick, then you could trade two second rounds to get back in the first round. Some some kind of real maneuvering that Howie likes to do. I, I don't think you're going to get the player you want at the top of this draft. I, I really don't. So I, I can see them moving down to eight or nine, but that's only going to give you a little bit back in return because you're not going way back. Uh, you'll get significant. You know, you could get from 37 maybe and do it that way and get back into the back end of the first round. Um, but I, I don't think they can move down as as very far. They're they're going to get too cute. They're they're not going to get that difference making player. Um, and that's why you sort of hold your breath. I, I wouldn't mind going down with one of those quarterback-driven uh, teams um, if the Eagles, as I said, go the true Jeffrey Lurie route and say, we can't take a quarterback anyway, so that's not going to affect you, and then you'll still be able to get a, a really good player in uh, something on top of it. So that I could see, but I can't see them going down too far. I don't know how 
we would not classify the draft for the Eagles being a massive failure if they stick with the sixth overall pick and they don't end up with Kyle Pitts or a wide receiver. Because like the bottom line is this. If you want to give Jalen Hurts a full test run and take him off the lot and see what he's got here, so to speak, you need some weapons. I mean, and I think I've heard some analogies of uh, Josh Allen and they go and get Stephon Diggs, and you look at Sam Darnold and the lack of help and support both on and off the field that he had. Like You need to have pieces with the quarterback, weapons with the quarterback, to really see what you have under center. If the Eagles don't go and get one at six, I don't know how they can properly assess. Would you agree with all that? Uh, Yes and no. I I mean, I'm a little bit concerned. Uh, Well, A, I mean... You know, it's not Nick Sirianni's fault, obviously, and it's not the new coaching staff's fault that Jalen Rager was taken in the first round and and J.J. uh, was taken in the second round, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, the year prior. You shouldn't have to be drafting another wide receiver in the top ten. But here we are. Um, So in, in a lot of ways, I think from that standpoint, Maybe politically, Kyle Pitts would be easier to sell. Uh, but he concerns me because he's such a unique player. He doesn't concern me from a talent standpoint. He concerns me because you really got to work to get him involved. He's, he, he's, not, he, he, he's not a typical player. He's very unique. You have to use him in unique ways, and that means you need a coaching staff willing to embrace that uh, and, and game plan for him and make sure he's involved. And, again, I, I, I know the old coaching staff wouldn't have done that. They would have gotten away from it. I can't say much about this new coaching staff because none of us know it. None of us know their strengths or weaknesses. Um, so there's a potential that they certainly could utilize a player like that. But just from the average of watching not only – Doug Peterson staff, but coaches, coaching staffs all around this league, there's about three or four that really are disciplined enough to use unique players. And I'm, I'm, I'm being dead serious. It, it's really difficult. I talk about manufactured touch players all the time. And you see it early in games, and, and sometimes you see jet sweeps or motion, whatever. Uh, and you go, wow, and somebody's in the backfield. And then as you get into the guts of the game and everything's happening so quickly and you only got 40 seconds and, and they get away from it. And that's just the way it is. So I, everything concerns me a little bit with this team unless the one player who doesn't concern me as all, at, at all is Sewell. You can just stick him at left tackle, but then you're saying Andre Dillard didn't work, Jordan Mailata. You know, there's there's a lot of political issues the Eagles have to get over. Um, and, and one position where they don't have that is cornerback. And these guys are good. Sertain and, and, and Horn are good, and they're good players. Would it be as sexy as taking a, a – uh, a receiver? No. But I, I, I just, you know, 
again, it's not Nick Sirianni's fault, but I got a real tough time seeing this organization develop receivers because I haven't seen it in so long. Yeah, I I don't think I've ever seen it. Um. <laughs> well, and and you mentioned Stephon Diggs. You know, maybe that's the route this organization should have went and get a proven guy who's already there. Because I I you know, there's a, again there's just going to be this assumption whether it's Jalen Waddle or Jamar Chase, and I don't think Chase is going to be there, but um, or even Devontae Smith, who I don't think the Eagles would take at six, but. Uh, if you throw those three in the mix, again, I go back to where we started this conversation. There's, there's that assumption that, okay, it's over. These guys are good players, and no development needs to happen, and they should be better than Justin Jefferson. Well, odds are they're not going to be that good. I, <laughs> I mean, look at the – probably the – you know, Justin Jefferson's probably the best rookie receiver since Odell Beckham Jr. So – quite a few years in between there. Um, and, and we've seen it again with Rager, our Sega white side to a lesser degree. And, and again, this is a different coaching staff and Nick Sirianni's his, uh, a lot of his history as a coach is at the wide receiver position. He played the position at a very, you know, obviously a lower level, but nonetheless, he understands it. Maybe it changes, but, I got to tell you, you're, you're you're drafting a wide receiver in the second round in 2019 and the first round in, in 2020, and you're telling me you need a top 10 pick at wide receiver again? That's tough for me to swallow. John McMullen, we do this every night at 730 right here on The Fix. Make sure you are subscribed to the YouTube channel at Jacob Media, J-A-K-I-B. Media. Follow John on social media at JF McMullen on Twitter and go check out a couple of his new articles posted today on SI.com talking about Anthony Harris, the new safety in Philly, talking about um, one prospect in particular in JC Horn uh, and then PhillyVoice.com as well. Plenty of content there from J Mac. All right, John, I appreciate it, man. We'll do it again tomorrow. All right. Thanks, Ryan. There he is, Jay Mack, Johnny Mack. Uh, good stuff from him.